Welcome to another episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast, where we focus on building better businesses. I believe in order to be the best leader that you can be, you must be willing to be the first follower and have a servant mentality when you're in a leadership position. If you want to be the best leader that you possibly can be, be sure to stay tuned and listen to industry leaders and hear how they built winning cultures in their own businesses. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Hannah Williams, and we're going to discuss how she helps solve the problems of hiring Gen Z talent and actually retaining them. Before we begin, I want to remind you this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a podcaster, YouTuber, or content creator, you want to create tactical content that delivers, head over to Nightly Productions and find out how we can multipurpose that content for you. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Zach. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great today. How about yourself? You know, I I feel blessed to be alive and moving, and every day that we get to wake up to this beautiful world's a good one. You know, it's it's really funny, alive and moving. Uh, those of us older folks here might not feel that in the mornings as we have to stretch getting <laughs> out of the bed, crack a neck and crack our back. But um, I think that tees up this conversation really perfectly. Where I want to give the, the audience a little bit of background on you. Um, where you're 23 years old, you're a Gen Z or yourself, you're a Gen Z expert, and you are the author of a book that by the time this comes out, it should be available, I'm assuming all across everything and probably a bestseller by then. So go snatch it up every, everywhere you can, but it's called A Leader's Guide to Unlocking Gen Z. Um, you're Gen Z or yourself, as I mentioned, but you're, I would say you're, you're a little bit different than the standard Gen Z where you graduated from college at 18. Um, you have a good bit of business experience already in your early young life, and you really focus on hiring um, and helping organizations hire, retain, keep uh, trained Gen Z talent where that communication piece can be very different. Before we dive too far into that piece of business and how we can actually help understand Gen Zers and have Gen Zers help us a little bit better. What would you say would be the place that got you there? Like tell the audience something that got you to this point in life. You know, Zach, it's, I'm, I'm glad to be here and talking about this as, as you'll probably hear throughout this whole podcast. This is my passion. I am a Gen Zer myself. As you mentioned, I'm 23, but my story actually started at least the time I can really pinpoint when, when my journey into entrepreneurship and business started was back when I was 12. And I grew up in a kind of interesting family. My dad was an entrepreneur for as long as I can remember. When I was 12, he had been scaling his real estate business for about, I guess it was, it had been about 10 or 11 years at the time. So this was 11 years ago and I'm 12 years old. I'm the oldest of seven children. So my dad started taking me to his work one day a week. So I would go to the office and observe him doing leases with his tenants and, you know, doing trusts behind the scenes. And I got to, to really taste what he did. Well, one afternoon, I was sitting in the back of his blue pickup truck and we're bouncing down the highway. I'm trying to get my homework done in the back seat, the, the studious scholar that I thought I was at the time. And I'm, I'm sitting in the back of his pickup truck and we're going around to collect rents because that's what you did at the time, right? You, you drove your car door to door and collected rents and got to know the tenants. So I'm sitting in the back of his truck and we're bouncing down the highway and out of the blue, he hands me his cell phone and he says, hey, Hannah, this phone's ringing and there's a guy at the end of the line who wants to sell his house and you're going to close the deal. And 
I just re- remember being freaked out of my mind. I mean, <laughs> how do you take that as a 12 year old? And when your dad hands you essentially the, the business development opportunity of the day, and I didn't know what, what in the world to do, but I trusted my dad. So I took the phone, I fumbled through this call and sure enough, I, I was able with his help to get that property under contract. And we closed on it a few weeks later. Turns out my, my parents still own that duplex. So I get to see, you know, 11 years ago, going back to when I was 12, what the impact of, of his interesting and unique Gen X parenting style was on me and, and how it shaped my development. So that, that's how my story really began as a child. And fast forward to today, many, many things have happened. As you mentioned, I, I have just published my first book, which is very exciting, but there's a lot in between. You know, the, the, the story of fumbling through my first sales call, essentially, and then getting to the point where I am today consulting companies, coaching leaders on how they can attract, recruit, retain, and engage my generation, which I will definitely say, and I'm no, I know you can say this as a millennial, Zach, we, we can be an enigma sometimes. My, my generation's a little bit... Uh, I don't even know the best term to say, we're, we're a little bit ununderstandable to other generations at times because of our, our alienness, I could, you could say. So um, I'm excited about having this conversation and, and diving into that in-between story of how I got from 12 to 23 and, and how I'm really um, able and, and have seen incredible companies really transform the way that they are able to speak Gen Z's language. So yeah, let's, let's get into it. Awesome. And I love that story because it really highlights a very interesting part of you that maybe it's different for Gen Z, but I know in the millennial world, we weren't necessarily the most motivated in our teens and 20s where, I mean, you you graduated college by 18. I didn't graduate with my bachelor's until like 28. So it's like, you can tell that and I have an MBA, but still like to get to that point, it took me an extra 10 years than it took you. How would you kind of describe that piece of Gen Zers and your aspect of leading? How would you describe Gen Z? Like, what is that that characteristic? Are they different? Are they motivated? Are they a little bit different than that millennial piece? Or would you say they align similarly? You know, Zach, as you can imagine, I, I get this question a lot because leaders are hungry and craving to understand is Gen Z going to be another repetition of all the stereotypes that millennials had? And I'm, I'm here to break down that, that glass and shatter that understanding. I think there's something about Gen Z that we are fighting against the stereotypes that companies and leaders and just marketing and media in general, you know, the stereotype that was built for millennials. So get this. of Gen Z is saying that we want to be entrepreneurs. That that's a really interesting type of, yeah, it's huge. I mean, that's over half of my generation. And this was a a large study conducted by one of the big five consulting firms. A a large portion of Gen Z is saying that now, of course, we're going to get into the distinctions of what actually happens when Gen Z tries to become an entrepreneur and the reason that that type of talent is really advantageous to a business. But we'll touch base on that later. But what I want to describe here is to answer your question, 
Gen Z is a very interesting generation in that we are the first generation that has grown up, as we all know, digital natives. So we don't really understand a world that doesn't have Google. We, we don't really know what it's like to live in a world that's not digitized. So that's done some really interesting things to my generation. So when, when a company or a leader is looking at Gen Z, one important realization that you should have is that our vision and our dreams as Gen Zers look very different from the ones that millennials had. And a lot of the result or the, the reason for that is, of course, social media plays a role in that, but our parents also played a huge role in that. We were raised by Gen X parents. So much like you can tell from the story with my dad, Gen Xers really taught my generation of Zers that life is hard, that there's going to be challenges that we have to fight for. So in the workplace, you see a lot of similarities between Gen Z and Gen X in terms of how we work. Much like you saw, as, as much as, as um, millennials and boomers hate to realize there's a lot of similarities between them, there are indeed a lot of similarities between millennials and boomers in what they value out of the workplace, as different as technology may be um, the lens through which we see millennials or Gen Z nowadays. There's still a lot of throwback to generations that have set the stage before us. So to directly answer your question, Gen Z is a unique breed because of how we were raised by our Gen X parents and the fact that we were thrust from a very early age into this, this climate of innovation and technology and entrepreneurship. So we, we've become a very different breed of people from perhaps what the millennials experienced kind of stumbling into technology. And I think that's an interesting piece where uh, something from your book that I found pretty fascinating is that when you hire Gen Z, you talk about when you hire Gen Z, because y'all are digital natives, because everybody has this IG life, right? Everybody goes to, I didn't have an Instagram until I started a business. So like I, there, there was this thing called MySpace. Um, I don't know if you recall it, maybe you've seen it in a history book somewhere, but <laughs> I started on MySpace, you had a profile music you know, you had a song that was profile song. And that was like the big thing for MySpace, right? But you grew up in a world where IG is your thing. So you're always posting photos, you're always showing your life. And really, there's not a lot of privacy there. But it also leads to a reputation where the individual, the Gen Zer, is building a brand, they're building a reputation, they're not just an individual anymore. Is this based around narcissism? Are they just so involved in themselves that, you know, they're so worried about themselves, they're not going to be great talent for organizations? Or do you think that could actually help in the development of things? I'm so glad you asked, Zach. This is a really interesting dichotomy between Gen Z and the world that we've grown up in, and often the stereotypes that we're going to see as Gen Zers. So this type of dynamic that you described, where Gen Z has grown up in a digitized world. And the fact that we are on social media platforms, we're constantly putting ourselves out there, has really created a generation that, and Gen Z will hate me for saying this, but is borderline narcissistic. And I say that in the most endearing way possible for, for my generation. But what I mean by this is that every day, Gen Z is the first generation that, that each day when we think about our lives, and some of us may do this subconsciously, 
Some of us do this intentionally. But each day of our lives, we can look many years into the future and say, you know what? That's the life I want to have when I'm this age, or that's the life that I want to have when I have this much money. But instead of it taking us 50 or 60 years to get there, we try to cram it now into a year or two years. We're trying to constantly elevate ourselves above all the other you know, icons on social media. I actually had to coin a term for this in the book, and I, and I talk about how this speaks to our mindset. And please, if you're listening to this and you're from another generation, don't tune out because narcissism can be really off-putting. But just, you know, bear with me a second and, and I'll try to describe this. So I had to coin this term. I call it the story, to describe how Gen Z approaches the world. And basically the definition of a story is it's the reputation that I, as a Gen Zer, put out into the world based on my, my inspiration, the people I associate myself with, my fashion choices, my work as one component, my family. If you think about it as a, as a graph, you've got this circle in the middle, which is the narcissistory or your, or your brand. And then each little bubble around the outside is one component of the narcissistory. So those things that I just described, fashion sense, for example, think of yourself for example, as a a 12-year-old gamer. You're interested in games. You are, you're playing, you know, the newest, the newest games that are out there, testing them, et cetera. Maybe you're streaming on Twitch or you spend a good amount of time looking at Twitch content, watching other people stream. Well, as you begin as a 12-year-old to associate yourself with the people on Twitch, you're going to begin to wear certain colors or think a certain way based around the icons that you follow or the icon you've created for yourself. So maybe you choose yellow as a color you wear very often because the people on Twitch that you're watching are also wearing yellow and that's part of your community. So again, a lot of us do it this subconsciously. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that we're all carefully curating our personal brands. But if you think about how Gen Z has approached the world, the tools that we've been given on social media has allowed us to, for example, create certain filters for ourselves. The fact that TikTok content is very short in span has caused us, if we are a TikTok creator, to condense our thoughts and ideas into brandable little packages. So you think about the type of person this has created and the way that the story influences how Gen Zers think. If you step into our shoes for a second, you'll realize that Gen Z is both very put together and very confused. And we have lived this life where we're constantly inundated with the idea that we have to be individually set apart from the rest of the crowd. And if you think about that even deeper, what that turns into is a generation that is extremely individualistic, borderline narcissistic, And oftentimes, as a result of that, we are, I guess the pros are are very evident. The pro is that you're going to hire a little individual brand that is extremely efficient, someone who is quite adamant about the way that technology can influence a company. They can help you get places faster and innovate. What we can also do is uh, on the con side is it's very hard sometimes for us to work within teams. 
If you think about it, we've, we've built our whole life around individual success. So we'll break, we'll break this down more, but the important thing here is for brands to realize and, and companies and leaders to recognize that if you're speaking to a Gen Zer, you're often going to be speaking to a personal brand, a, a, a little brand that's walking around. And it's no longer the, the job of a company to, it, it's no longer, excuse me, the job of an employee to come and fill a, a task your company or a role for your company. It's now the company's responsibility. If you want to remain competitive, it's the company's responsibility to speak to the narcissist story of the Gen Zer. And that's a very backwards way of thinking for a lot of people. You know, but I think it really highlights the, the value of understanding this for leaders, where if you really look at the the signs of a narcissist, you know, you're kind of highlighting several pieces of this where you have a sense of self-importance, there's that need for admiration, you kind of have a little bit of identity disturbance where you're, you have to be able to identify as your own individual, your own person uh, among a team. So there is that individualistic mindset attached to it. But as leaders, the key to what we should be doing is not necessarily leading in our way. I shouldn't, a millennial shouldn't lead a Gen Zer as a millennial, right? I need to be able to understand how to communicate the best with a Gen Zer. So understanding these things doesn't mean they're negatives necessarily. It just means I have to do a better job of communicating in this fashion to make sure the Gen Zers are receiving what they need to be satisfied in the role that they're in, correct? Exactly. And, and let me give you a story here because this can be a hard concept to really wrap your head around, right? Because as, as, as employers, it doesn't matter how big our companies are, we're used to saying, okay, my business has grown by X amount of dollars or X amount of responsibilities, and I need to write a job description to hire a person who helps fill a specific need in my business, right? That's how, as employers, we're, we're taught and what's ingrained in us to, to be able to fill certain positions. Oftentimes, we think about positions in very task-oriented ideas, right? I mean, every HR professional knows this, and I speak with HR professionals all the time. And, and, and what consistently comes up is that HR professionals are used to writing job descriptions to fill tasks. And what Gen Z is saying is, we don't want to come in and fill just a task. We don't want to be a job fit for your company. Instead, we are working for a vision. Remember that work is only one component of the narcissist story. It's not an end-all be-all. Work is one component that enables us to live a more fulfilled life. So if your company is not speaking to the inherent need we have as a Gen Zer to fulfill a certain part of our life and to learn we're not going to stay with you for very long, or we're not going to to be uh, allow ourselves to work for you for in, in the first place. So the story I want to share, I, I've been working with um, a client in South Florida, and this individual hires about 10, 10 interns every summer who come in and they learn about, um, this was country clubs in particular. So she works in a luxury country club. And these individuals were coming in, the, the interns, and the way that the club had set up their intern orientation was that a senior leader from the club, you know, someone who's extremely busy, as, as we all know, um, a senior leader took time 
out of their day to come and teach these interns exactly what, you know, what it meant to be a successful employee and how to tweak their resumes to be hired. You know, things that as, as a boomer, an Xer, or even an astute Gen Zer like myself would understand are important. You know, thing, things that every person needs to be successful in their career. So the senior leader took four hours out of their day to come teach this workshop. And here's what they found. They came down, spent their time, and the Gen Zers were so disengaged, right? I mean, they're sitting there. They're not really asking good questions. They're, they're just there, I guess, to check off a box on their, on their resume. They're there as an intern, but they're not really engaging. And this leader was a millennial, and she's asking me, why are my Gen Zers not engaged? You know, why are they not asking questions? I mean, even I as a millennial, she was sharing with me, you know, even I as a millennial would have asked better questions. And I would have realized that a senior leader taking time out of their day to come and train me would have been valuable. So here's what I had to talk her through and what, and, and the light bulb started going off. Gen Z has grown up in a world where the idea of a title doesn't mean anything to us. If you look at TikTok or YouTube, at the touch of our fingertips, we can gain access to content from senior leaders who have incredible brands and in one minute can learn something that in, for previous generations may have taken a an entire four, you know, four hour workshop or an entire you know, MBA to learn. What Gen Z can do, and I find this all the time as, as a Zer on TikTok, I can literally scroll through TikTok in five minutes and gain access to more content and information than I had learned off of TikTok for many, many years. So here's, here's the dichotomy that this leader was facing with her interns. She, in her mind, thought that having a senior leader come and speak to these Zers would have been incredibly you know, important in their eyes. But what she didn't realize is the Gen Z are sitting there thinking, I could literally go on TikTok and watch Gary Vee for five minutes and get more out of that than sitting here for four hours watching the senior leader talk about country clubs specifically. When that light bulb went off, she started changing the way that she did training with these Gen Zers. And, and that is the type of conversation. I mean, even just knowing that that's how your Gen Zers are thinking can be incredibly important to how you, you attempt to do training or retain an employee from Gen Z. So it's, it's interesting. There's several things that I pulled out of that. And um, I, I love Gary Vee. There, there's so much value there. And he, one of his big beliefs, of course, is um, he doesn't believe formalized schooling is necessarily the way anymore. And I know a lot of Gen Z's are moving. I think millennials moved that way a little bit, um, moved the needle slightly, but Gen Z's jumped that direction where um, honestly, an MBA, all it taught me was how to be scared in business. It didn't really be on the personal connection of my classmates, which is what I find kind of interesting when you're talking about the story you gave you know, yes, you can go find Gary Vee and you can get all this content, all this information, but at, at what point does the value of the personal connection of being in the room with Gary Vee get lost in translation where I think as business owners, as entrepreneurs, I think we all see that personal connection, that relationship, that rapport that you actually have with the individual can really be a game changer for business. Do you see that being lost in Gen Z? You know, the, and this is me speaking as a Gen Z, I don't know the data around this. But I think that is a really interesting point that Gen Z is going to have to learn the hard way, I think. 
just like when you try to teach your children, here are the exact things I did to avoid X, Y, Z mistakes. You know, don't do what I did is what every parent's telling their kids. But what do we do as kids? We don't listen, right? We have to figure it out the hard way. And I think exactly what you pointed out is something we're going to have to figure out the hard way. You see, there's this interesting thing. Gen Z is so used to consuming content over the internet or in our, you know, on our phones that we're used to receiving the message on our phone, but the point of being in person with someone that we greatly respect, such as Gary Vee, is only because he has an online brand. So here, here's the distinction between Gary Vee, someone like Gary Vee, and someone like the senior leader at the country club. The senior leader at the country club, all of his rapport was tied up in the country club, which Gen Z could not care less about, right? The fact that that senior leader didn't have any online brand or personal reputation beyond that meant that his brand was tied exclusively to the other boomers, Xers, and millennials that he worked with. They respected him. Gen Z had no reason to respect him. So to your point, we want, we crave being at, at, at in-person events with someone like Gary Vee, right? You see, you see that his audience is flooded with Gen Zers and Gen Z students. You're going to see the same thing. One of my friends, Jimmy Slagle, who owns a Gen Z marketing firm, he's been posting for hundreds of days a photoshopped picture of him and Gary Vee together saying, I'm going to post this until he and I can meet in person. That's his goal in life. And I think he's been posting for, I want to say it's close to 400 days now. It's been over a year. So that type of in-person connection is extremely important to us. And in fact, this brings up another interesting statistic on Gen Z. What do you think of when you think about Generation Z? I, most, most leaders would probably say, you know, you see the family sitting around the table, all the Gen Zers are on their phones, you know, they're, they're glued into their screens. But what's interesting and what the, what the data is saying about Gen Z and I can attest to this as a Zer myself, is that because our lives are so wrapped up in this digital world, we actually crave in-person communication so much more than even your generation did as millennials. 74% of Gen Z is saying we want face-to-face communication over text, email, you, you name it, digital communication. But here's the thing as, as well to note, face-to-face might mean exactly what you and I are doing right now, Zach. A Zoom meeting is the same to us as an in-person conversation. So to, to wrap this all up, to really answer your question, think of Gen Z as the type of generation that wants easy to consume content online. We want to meet the leaders and the people who are inspirational to us if they have gathered enough of a rapport with us from their online brand. And if you don't, as a leader, have a personal brand, Gen Z may not even respect you. And that's hard to say, but we truly build our first impressions of anyone we meet through what they look like online. And that's a very different, um, I guess, way of approaching the world than even some of the older millennials, especially, would have approached life. And it's really interesting to me because it I definitely see this happening where it's like that star celebrity status is the attracting point. And 
my my generation definitely is there to an extent, but it is definitely the Gen Z generation that has really focused in that IG Instagram world and really focusing on because it's so easy to connect with Gary. You know, at the end of the day, you know, a couple DMs and all of a sudden you're talking with Gary V. And is that something you mentioned earlier where now it's the organization's role to kind of adapt to communicate with the Gen Zer. Do you think as the more of the long-term play, we should also be coaching, training, mentoring Gen Z to get away from that a little bit, not necessarily disregard it because there is a ton of value there and zoom and COVID, obviously this is huge, but there's still, in my opinion, it has to be a little bit of that rapport, that personal connection where it can't just be Gary V that you want to talk to and respect because realistically Gary V is not going to do anything for you. You know, yes. you're one in a million, but that CEO might do amazing things for you if you hit it off really well. And now all of a sudden you're that person's intern. Do you think that should be like a long-term focus of organizations, coach, train, mentor to, into, hey, this is what rapport building is. This is what networking in person is. This is how connection really works. Absolutely. Nail on the head. I mean, and you can tell me, Zach, I know you said you coach other Gen Zers who are probably stuck in this dichotomy. And, and let me make some assumptions here and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But if you see a Gen Zer coming back to that 54% statistic about 54% of Gen Z wants to be entrepreneurs, you probably see some really um, uh, dreamy Gen Zers waltzing out of school or waltzing even out of high school and saying, I'm going to be a TikTok celebrity, or I'm going to be a YouTube celebrity, or I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And they think it's going to be a walk in the park, you know, a, a cakewalk. Stuck on those numbers, the downloads, the connections, the followers, just stuck on yep. the only way your success is if you have all these Yeah. Things. I mean, that Gen Z get, can get really, really stuck on that. And it's, we look online and we look at social media and we, we assume it's going to be a walk in the park to become an entrepreneur. And the reality is, as you and I know, it doesn't just happen overnight online. It takes consistent action. It takes meeting the right people. It takes having good conversations and adding value to people. Gen Z doesn't know that yet. At least most Gen Zers don't. So what I have seen, and I'll, I'll give a personal example. I mentioned that my parents are in real estate and have been for many years. My dad doesn't do any marketing for his business, literally any marketing. And people ask us all the time, how do you fill your houses with tenants? How do you do anything? How, how, how do people find you? And he has just built over 20 years, he's built a network of referrals and he never has to list a house for rent. They're always rented. So to give you a personal example from my own journey, um, I, I actually have never shared this on a podcast before, but my other business that I have on the side investing is in mobile homes. So I, I love working with um, low-income housing and helping fill that niche. And something that's really fascinating to me is we have a chapter of Bigger Pockets, which is an, an online community for real estate investors here in Asheville. And it's a wonderful group of folks. You know, we've got women and men who come together. We meet regularly. We share deals. We talk about, you know, the next thing on the housing market. Here's what's fascinating to me. The group is great, and what Bigger Pockets has done for the real estate community is enormous. You know, they've got so much social media presence. The podcast is fantastic. They've got a conference. 
Here's what happens, though. We all know how competitive the housing market is right now, and especially as an investor. It's hard to find deals that make financial sense to invest in. So you find a lot of investors are overpaying or they're buying on the market instead of off market because you can't find off market deals. Here's what I had to do. And this speaks to your point about does will Gen Z eventually realize that online is not the end all be all. I actually had to realize that for my mobile home business to succeed, I had to be offline. I don't share things online. I don't share my real estate tips because as soon as I do, someone's going to enter that market. They're going to be my competition. So I actually found a mobile home dealer who has no online presence, barely has an email address. I mean, it's like a charter.net email <laughs> address, but he happens to be one of the premier mobile home movers in the state. What did I do? He's a 70 plus year old man who's been in this area for many years. He has an assistant who's in her 70s as well. I invited them over to dinner. We had an old-fashioned conversation, learned about his family history. I learned about his kids and where they grew up. I got to know him. And guess what? For someone as busy and as many phone calls as he gets every day, probably 50-plus phone calls of people trying to buy houses from him, get houses moved, I'm the only call that he will answer on the first ring and he will call me back. And guess why? I mean, we, you and I know this as well as anybody from an older generation. It's because of the relationship and rapport that I was able to build with him in an old-fashioned sort of way. Gen Z does not yet understand this as a whole. So it is up to our leaders and our coaches. And I am so I can tell you from my own experience, I'm so grateful for the mentors who helped guide me in that direction, because I would not be where I am with my business if it had not been for those people. And in, in fact, I chose to feature a lot of them in my book because they had such an impact on how I thought about networking and relationship building. And, uh, and, and so I feature, you know, their wisdom in the book because they're not only some of the best and brightest people that I know in terms of helping young people succeed, but they're also the, the, the people who are leading their companies in being the, the ones who can attract the best and brightest Gen Zers because of that approach that they've taken. So really, I think the conversation for Gen Z is will shift from where we're just looking online for reputations and value into this um, more mature understanding that we that, that people are always going to be the, the greatest asset any company and anyone can have. And that the more I can get to know a mentor or a coach or a leader, and the more I can serve them, the more that they'll be able to serve me and help me. So I, I really do hope for my generation that conversation will change. You know, I, I'm glad that you have the, the realization of that because it's, it's funny. I have a, uh, the digital media production company. I didn't have a website until a year after being in business. Like there's so many just from those years of personal connections, so many clients were already stacked that I didn't need a website. And that's an organization where you'd like kind of need a portfolio online. People expect a portfolio, but the people that were in my network didn't ask for a portfolio. They knew who I was and they knew what work I would come forth with and how I would be able to provide value to them. Um, but it, it's funny. I have two um, Gen Zers, one's 21 and one just turned 26 that are real estate investors. What I love about your generation is y'all are real estate investors. 
at that age. That is incredible. Like that's not something millennials weren't in that capacity. There were very few. I bought my first property at 21 and all my friends around me are like 30 buying a property. I'm like, y'all are like behind the curve attached to building this lifetime success, this generational wealth aspect of things. And that really leads us to like our final question where I'm really fascinated to know, Hannah, what is the legacy you want to leave on the world with everything you're doing, all the work, all the knowledge you're putting out there? What is it that you want to leave with the world? This is this is such a broad question. And uh, Zach, you may find this interesting, but my passion and the reason that I started this business, my uh, Overture Consulting, the reason that I the, the reason that I do everything that I do, the content I create, the, the book that I've published, all of these pieces is because I have a sincere passion for helping bring radical empathy to the workplace. I want every leader in every company, not just in America, in, in other countries where, that we can learn so much from, to come to the workplace with a mindset of radical empathy. I, I want to leave a mark on the world that people, when they, when they say, what did Hannah do? <laughs> I, want, I want them to say she was able to bridge gaps, unseemingly large gaps between the ages in the workplace, the differences in the workplace, the priorities in the workplace, and help people better connect and understand each other. Because the more we can step into each other's shoes, um, this goes for older generations as well. There's there's problems of ageism all over the spectrum. The more that older generations understand that younger generations can be their competitive advantage and can bring an unkeen amount of, of insight and innovation to the workplace, and the more that the younger generations can understand that we're standing on the shoulders of giants that these generations that have paved the way before us have so much wisdom and experience that we can learn from, the better the entire workplace is going to be. So that's the mark I want to leave is for anyone struggling with that bridge to call me, to, to, to you know take advantage of my content, to take advantage of what I do, and let us bridge these gaps together and build that radical empathy because I want to see, and, and this comes back to what I was sharing at the very beginning, I'm the oldest of seven children and my youngest sister, she's six still right now. So I'm 23, she's six. And I want to see when she comes into the workplace that she is challenged by her older mentors, that it's not just a walk in the park, but that she learns and grows. But I also want to see that her ideas, her fresh perspective is respected by older generations and leveraged so that she can be her most fulfilled self. So I'm doing this for my siblings. I'm doing this for all of the other young people who I love and admire in my life and across the world, the thousands of Gen Zers that, that I've connected with and spoken with over the course of, of writing this book and of the work that, that I'm able to partner with, with so many incredible companies and leaders. Um, I, I want radical empathy to be my mark on the world. And I, I absolutely love that. I mean, that's such a, a unique perspective to have where you're really, like you said, you're, you're that bridging piece, um, bridging the gap between these generations of 
of communication failures that you kind of see all over the workplace. So I, I really applaud that that's the mission you're on. Um, and you mentioned reach out, call you, get a book, something with you. Go ahead and give the audience the opportunity. What's the best way to connect with you, follow you, IG? If you have a MySpace, give us the link to that. And um, just, <laughs> If anyone still has a MySpace, um, good for them. Hey, Tom is still out there. So you probably don't even know Tom. Never mind. MySpace, Tom, you'll have to Google it on Wikipedia. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, anyways, give the audience the way to best connect with you, um, find you and ingest your content? Yes. So the best way to access all my social media is just go to my website, which is hannahgwilliams.com. And if you actually go to the specific landing page for this podcast, which is hannahgwilliams.com slash tactical, I actually have developed a pulse check for any leader who's listening to this. So Zach, you may be asking, you know, after all these things we've talked about, and I'm sure many leaders listening are asking the same question is where do I start? Like, what is, what is my focus? What should be my focus? Is it trying to attract Gen Z? Is it, I need to modify my retention strategy or my culture before I bring them in the door so that they'll stay longer. So if you take that pulse check, it takes five minutes, you can pinpoint which area you need to focus on. And then I provide resources after that. Of course, my book is there and you can see all my social media. Um, I actually post tips on LinkedIn three times a week for specific for leaders to help you attract, recruit, retain, and engage Gen Z. Love it. I definitely encourage everybody go check out her website, check out all this amazing content that you're putting out there. And of course, swing back by, we have you getting more tactical here this Friday on Tactical Friday, where you're going to share the, the action steps attached to it. So Hannah, thank you so much for your, your knowledge, your wisdom, and for really having this fresh perspective on the workplace. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Zach. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. And I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does five to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which could actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% in insurance costs, be sure to visit nightprotectionllc.com.